ladies, we typically only do the minimum, right? If we're honest with ourselves, or sometimes we overachieve, we're like, okay, I'll go above and beyond here once in a while, but most of the time, we're going to set the bars down here, we're going to just barely graze over the top of that bar, and that's as far as we're going to go. That's as far as we're going to go. If you can clock in as a husband, if you can do just enough to get by and still get what you need out of a relationship, why would you ever go anything above and beyond that? You won't. You might a little bit. You might in the beginning, but after a while you set into a pattern and you say, well, she'll, just, she'll tolerate me if I just do X, Y, and Z. So I'm just going to do X, Y, and Z, and it'll be all right. We'll just make it work a little bit at a time. As long as she doesn't leave, it'll be all right. You see, if husbands are expected to be like good dogs, that's all we'll ever be. That's it. But why settle for a good dog when you can have a better husband? We've been saying throughout this series that when we encounter the good news of Jesus, that his love for us is so great that he stepped out of heaven into the dust of earth, right? That his love motivated him to come and live a perfect life that we can't, to to die a death on the cross, taking on our sin and shame in our place, to be raised to life again so that not he could keep it for himself and look good doing it, but so that he could give it away so we could have a life fulfilled now and a life eternal with him forever. His love pushed him, motivated him, guided everything he did to do that. And now we who are confronted by that truth, are made new by that. And we say, man, that is incredible. How could a God love and care for me so much that he would step into my mess? Why would he take my mess on? I don't even want my mess. My wife doesn't want my mess, right? Why would he do it? Because of love. Because of love. When we encounter that, that messes you up. <laughs> we said it last week. That will tear you up on the inside. of that. Why? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. And when he's trying to grasp it and you start to accept it, you're like, wow, I, I can't fully comprehend it, but I can appreciate it. And it starts to change you. And we have and begin to have these new gospel identities. We begin to re-identify, we are told, to be these new humans in Jesus. There was no longer who we were before. It's now Jesus followers, people who look like him in every facet of our lives. It reshapes everything. This new life reshapes the roles and responsibilities of wives. We talked about that last week, right? And it places a whole new expectation on men as gospel living husbands. Jesus isn't telling us to settle for being good dogs, gentlemen, but to step up and to be a Jesus following man. I told everybody last week that I was going to be hard this morning. I'm harder on myself than I am on my wife. I'm going to be harder on you guys than I was on the women last week, and I think the Bible is too. I think the Bible is too. For most of us, the bar has been set too low, so we're going to raise it this morning, right? We're going to raise it up. Most of us could bunny hop over that bar of being a good dog, gentlemen, right? That's the thing that's been set for us, but today we're going to go from bunny hopping, we're going to skip right past high jumping, or we're going to go straight to pole vaulting, okay? So get ready. If you like a little competition, John mentioned this morning, he likes a little competition, here's the competition. The bar has been raised, or will be by the time we leave today, way up here. Can you clear it? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Paul lays out for us in Ephesians a new role, a greater responsibility than most men, most husbands have ever grown up understanding. So let's jump in. Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, verse 23 says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body is and is himself its Savior. Men, here's something you're going to like. 
maybe, we are not called to be our wives' obedient dog. Okay? That sounds good until you get told the second part. We're charged to lead. We're charged to lead. Now, that might sound good at first. If you're a guy, you think, yes, I get to be in charge. Maybe the first time you've heard that. Maybe it's like, man, I haven't been in charge in about 20 years. I would love to be in charge, right? All right, I know you can't laugh because you're going to get in trouble when you get home. I understand that, all right? But maybe you're thinking that. But most of us, though, if we're given that responsibility, we give it over real quick, don't we? When most of us are charged with being in charge, most of us pass it right off to the wife because it's a lot of work. It's a mess load of work. We like the idea of being in charge. I do anyway. But what uh, but rarely do we want to put in the work it requires to actually be in charge, don't we? But as new gospel husbands, we're not given the option of handing that responsibility over. You can't opt out. You can't pass it off and say, well, it's hard. I just let her do it. Wrong. When Jesus confronts you with who you are now in Christ, the lead is where it's at, and you've got to take it, like it or not. Like it or not. Now, wives and husbands, this makes us uncomfortable because authority implies what? You can talk back to me. What does authority imply? Responsibility? What else? Just think of big overall authority. Even in light of our election, what does authority look like? Power. Bam. You got it. Authority implies power. And in our society, in our relationships, in most of our lives, power does what? Or is what? It's okay to be wrong. You can call it out. Controlling. Abusive. Corrupt. Isn't it? Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, right? So when we think about all of our elected officials or we think about even our relationships, we think, man, if I give the power over, they're just going to take advantage of me, right? So we're uncomfortable when we hear that someone has to take the lead here, right? Because our society's concept of power leads to that abuse, but we have to keep the gospel in mind when we read this because it even not only redefines our role, but redefines what power and authority look like. You see, Jesus used his authority and power to empower others. He came to seek, save, and serve, not to be served. He gave up his life, not choosing to make it better at the expense of someone else. You see, authority in light of the gospel is to serve, not subjugate. It's to care, not crush. It's to love and not lord over. Gentlemen, we are ultimately responsible to lead our wives and our families like Jesus. It's on us to care, protect, and represent them to the world. It's on us to encourage, disciple, help, comfort, and stand for them before God. That's us. That's not them. That's us. We're given that leadership role and responsibility to do it well. So the question becomes, if we can't leave it alone, if we can't run away from it, if you can't give it over, how do you do it well? How do you do it well? Last week, ladies, we talked about how submission was hard. And every woman here says, yes, it is. Submission was hard because you have to trust the person you're submitting to has your best interests in mind and at heart, right? And I said that submission becomes easier when husbands fulfill their role and responsibility. So how does a gospel husband lead and make it easier for a gospel wife to follow that lead? With love. With love. But not just any kind of love. Not just any kind of love. 
Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25. I'm going to read 25 through 31 all together, so roll with me here. It's going to be on the slides above me. I encourage you to open your Bibles if you have them. Open up an app on your phone. Do whatever you need to do. Follow along at home. It'll be on your screen right around here. And uh, I want you to follow as we read this together. As Paul writes to husbands, he says, Husbands, here it comes, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 28 says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, says verse 29, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Verse 31 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now you read verse 25, and you say, I love my wife. Check. Done. That's what we do as husbands. That's the bar. The bar's way down here. All right? We're bunny hopping. We're dogs, right? We're that basset hound. Uh, right, Haley? You can't jump over anything higher than this. <laughs> that's, that's pretty far. That'd be stretching it, right? So as husbands, we're just barely clear in that. When he say, love your wife, yeah, I can do that. I love her every day. Love her every day. But Paul doesn't just leave it at love. He says this isn't just any kind of love. We're not talking about romantical, lovey-dovey, head-over-heels type of love. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about warm feelings. You know, we get along most of the time type of love. Nope. Paul says, as Christ loved the church, we should love our wives. And he qualifies that by saying that Christ loved the church by doing what? Giving himself up to her. Giving himself up to her. You see, we're not supposed to just love. We're supposed to love like Jesus, gentlemen. Love like Jesus. When we talk about loving like Jesus, we're going to check off a whole bunch of boxes here right now. It starts with self-sacrificial love. Self-sacrificial love. You see, Jesus died for his bride, this church, each and every one of us. That's his love in action. Death for us, right? That's what his love looks like. That's what his love looks like. And husbands must love their wives enough to do the same. Now, does this mean you had to be willing to take a bullet for her, gents? Yeah. In a sense, it does. I should be willing to physically die for my wife. But I want to tell you something that's harder than that. I want to tell you something harder than that because you can take a bullet for somebody, and then once you do that, it's dead and over, right? It's dead and over. You're done. But what it might be easier in some ways to die for your wife, it's a whole lot harder to live sacrificially for her. A whole lot harder. You die one time. What Jesus is calling us to do in our marriage relationships, for husbands, is to die to ourselves every single day. Every single day. Every single day. You have to give up your rights, your needs, your wants, your interests, your hobbies. Everything gets laid down and she comes first. Husbands, are we living sacrificially? You can start checking these boxes when you think you got it. I'm not checking any of these yet. 
I'm, 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 a, I'm an incomplete. That's <laughs> what I'm marking myself down this morning for self-sacrificial love. We go to the next one. It, because loving like Jesus is not only self-sacrificial, it's serving. It's a serving love. Jesus did a lot of memorable things in his life. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. But one of the most memorable was that he washed the dirty, nasty feet of his disciples. <laughs> he was not too proud to serve. He willingly lowered himself to put their needs before his own. Gents, husbands, when was the last time you washed your wife's feet? Yeah, a lot of twisted up faces. <laughs> I, I can't even say when was the last time I washed my, washed my wife's feet. But it's a symbol. It's not just the fact that you, don't, you literally have to wash your feet, although you could. But what have you done for her lately? What have you done for her lately? When was the last time you did that? When's, it might not be feet, but was, there's always an opportunity to serve, right? There's always an opportunity to do that. And the mindset we have to get in here is there's nothing God can call you to do for your wife that would be too much. Think about it like that. There is nothing that God can call you to do for your wife that is too much. When you say, man, she wants me to do all these things. She's asking me to do all this. None of it's too much. Not when you're loving with a Jesus-like love, ready to serve her no matter what. Three, it's a sanctifying love. Paul says that Jesus' love sanctifies the church, and we don't use that word anywhere but here. So let me clarify what that means, right? It, what, what it means is that Jesus sets us apart as believers in him, as followers in him. He cleans us up. He equips us to love and to serve God. See, husbands, we're given the privilege and we're given the charge to see our wives grow in holiness and in godliness. And we're to create an environment that's going to uh, create that, that's going to encourage that to happen, that's going to equip her with whatever she needs to look more like Jesus. That's on us. Now, we're not her sole spiritual authority. She did, my wife had to come to me to get her Jesus. But she, I do need to make sure I'm doing whatever it takes to be a blessing to her so that she can look more like Jesus today than she did yesterday. And if I'm not doing that, I've messed up. Me, not her, me. We should be asking ourselves this question. Is my wife more like Jesus because she's married to me or in spite of me? We should love with understanding and caring love. There's another one. Socrates, not a Jesus follower, by the way, once wrote, is there anyone to whom you entrust more serious matters to than your wife? And is there anyone to whom you talk less? For many of us in our marriages, that is absolutely true. Right? We make excuses. I work all day. I talk to people all day long. The kids are demanding my time. And the wife gets put in the back of the line. Doesn't she? But Jesus' love for us moves him to know us, to understand what makes us, each and every one of us, tick to know our strengths and our weaknesses. And husbands, we should always, every single day, be looking to know our wife better. We need to be studying her, to trying to understand her so that we can better love and care for her, just as Jesus does for each one of us. We should know her like the back of our hand. Paul says that we should love her as we love our own bodies. And he uses a couple of descriptors. He says to nourish and cherish. You see, if we're nourishing and cherishing our wives, we should be paying attention to her, not scrolling on our phone while she's talking to us. We should be asking her what her hopes and her fears are. We should be asking her what her dreams are for the future, what makes her anxious, what gives her joy. You do that for your wife, and she'll know. 
You won't have to give her a gift. You won't have to buy her a diamond ring. You won't do anything for her. You spend time to love and know and try to understand and care for her, she'll be there forever. And you'll be loving like Jesus doing it. Author Tim Challies wrote this and said, A wife's heart is dried up by a husband who pays her little attention, takes no interest in her emotional life, and does not connect with her heart. Gents, husbands, take time to understand her and show her you care. Next love, faithful love. Jesus' love to us is faithful. It is enduring, and it calls us to love our lives, wives the same way. Paul quotes Genesis, the book, not the band, right, to clarify, by saying that the two become one flesh, right? That one flesh union is, is a life of commitment and faithfulness. And it's words we throw around all the time, but you know it when you see it, right? You do. You know it when you hear the couples have been married 40, 50, 60, 70 years and love being in love still then. Commitment and faithfulness. The ones that will tell you, man, I've been in this thing for so long and I know him inside and out. I know all his bad stuff and I know all her bad stuff and yet I still love her. And I've committed to her no matter what happens, I am in it forever, forever. In Paul's time, just like in our own, people change partners without a second thought. They did. Gospel marriage and the love a husband offers his wife, though, should be committed and faithful as Jesus is committed and faithful to us. A love that doesn't quit, that doesn't run, and doesn't give up. Ever. I read a quote, and I can't find who it was from, so I'm just going to say it's a quote. It's not mine, but I loved it. The danger for marriages is not that the husband would love another woman more than his wife. It's that he would love himself more than his wife. Faithful and committed. Who are you faithful and committed to? Your job, your children, your hobbies, or your wife? Last, unconditional. Jesus' love for us is unconditional. Just like that dog we were talking about, right? He loves us when we're not deserving, when we're not at our best, when we've messed things up. And our loves for our wives shouldn't be based on their performance it shouldn't be based on their status. It shouldn't be based on their appearance. It shouldn't be based on how we feel or to be dependent on how we're treated. None of that matters. We have to choose to love her despite what she does or doesn't do. That's unconditional love. That's faithful, enduring love. That's loving like Jesus. That's a gospel husband living and loving like Jesus. You see, being a gospel-living husband isn't about being some prideful, self-absorbed leader who says, oh, yeah, if I just keep her barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, everything will work out all right. You just stay there. I'll do my thing. We'll get along and be married forever. No, forget that. A gospel-living marriage, a gospel-changed husband is a humble and self-giving servant leader. That's what authority and power looks like from a gospel perspective. How can I put somebody else before myself? How can I lay down so somebody can walk over my back to get where they need to be? That's gospel husband living right there. That's gospel Jesus-like love right there. When you do that, when you do that, you reflect the reality that Christ, not you or me, is king. When you love and lead like Jesus, you're going to make your wife's responsibility to follow your lead a whole lot easier. Talked about submission was hard last week, right? Ladies, I said that your husband's gonna make it or break it. Your husband's gonna make it or break it. If your husband loves you like Jesus, you'll say, Yes, sir, 
I'll follow you wherever you want me to go because I know that you're not trying to leave because you're some macho, self-absorbed idiot who thinks he can do his own thing, but you're going to love me and care for me more than you do yourself, and I know you're going to have my best interests at heart. I know you're going to be thinking about me above all things. I know you're going to be putting me first in every single situation, so whenever you say, yeah, we're going to do this, I'm ready to go with you because I know you're really loving and caring for me. The two work together. The two work together. Husbands, if you don't love your wife like Jesus, she's not going to submit to you. She's not going to submit as Christ and Paul has commanded her to, and vice versa, and vice versa. A marriage, gospel marriage, with a husband leading and loving and serving has a wife that is full, all bought in, all in, cooperating, doing it all. It doesn't mean you're always just doing it. It's all, oh man, every day is just another joy and adventure. No, it's still hard. <laughs> it's still hard. And you're going to wake up days and you're going to feel like, I don't, need, I don't want to love like Jesus today. I want to be self-absorbed. I want to sit here and watch my football game today. And I want to bring me my whatever I eat or drink. And I'll just sit here. I just, I've been busy. I've been working. I've been hard. It's been a hard week. I just need to just be quiet. Let me sit. And Jesus says, love like Jesus, love like me. If she needs you to get up off the sofa, get off the sofa. Not because she asked you to, because you love her more than you love herself. That's loving like Jesus. You do that, it's golden. And wives, when you see that love and you respond and say, I'm going to love and support and cooperate with you no matter what because I know you love and trust and believe in me, she's going to make your jobs, husbands, that burden that we carry of responsibility, that leadership burden, is going to get a whole lot lighter because she's going to come up under here when you're like, whew, man, I can't do it today. I can't love like Jesus. And she says, come on, we're going to do it together. She gets up underneath your arm, you get up underneath hers, and you're just carrying on together. That's a gospel marriage. That's a gospel marriage. That's loving and living like Jesus in the most important relationship in your life. It starts with you, men. We started with wives last week because it comes first in the text, but how this works is on you. You. Me. Me. We talked about last week, the divorce rate in America is 50%, 75% for third marriage. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It's all bad news because we've been broken in how we operate in our relationships. I want you to succeed. Beyond that, I want you to thrive, and so does Jesus. Can we do it? Here's the bar. Get the pole out, gentlemen. This week, hop on. I'm going for the ride. I'm going to love like Jesus this week. Are you? I can't make you do it. You want some competition? Let's see who can pole vault the highest this week. All right? That's a challenge. That's our challenge. For seekers this morning, for those spending your morning with us, you may be listening this morning and you may completely disagree with everything I just said, <laughs> all right? If you're watching online and saying, oh, that's a bunch of mess, you know, all this fluff, this is just religion, this is all this whatever, you, you get, get away from me with that archaic garbage. That's okay. That's all right. I want to love and respect you and know that we all come with baggage, we all come with stuff, and the gospel confronts us with a truth that is radically different than any of us have ever grown up with, most of us anyway. Even in a good Christian marriage, sometimes you don't even see this. So I understand when you read that and you hear what I'm saying, you're saying, I don't need that mess. I want to encourage you, though. I want to encourage you, though. Keep sticking with it. If you're not ready to jump into this, that's all right. That's okay. But keep listening. Keep watching. Watch marriages at work. Gospel living marriages at work. Those of you who are in them, be a gospel living marriage in your life. 
Show people who don't know Jesus what Jesus looks like by how you love your wife, gentlemen. Wives, show other women in your community what loving and living like Jesus looks like by serving your husband, cooperating with him, respecting him, and loving him. Do that. I hope y'all do that. And I hope you who are watching and you who are sitting here who are not yet all in on Jesus yet, I understand that, that you see it and see what a difference it makes, how it turns just barely surviving into thriving. But if you all are ready to step in, you're saying, man, I, I kind of like what I'm hearing today. I like that Jesus loves me no matter what, like a, like a dog, but even better, that he died for me so that I can have life now, so that my marriage, so that my relationship, so all of it can be better than it's ever been. Completely reimagined, re-identified in him. If that's you and you're ready to go all in, we're going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute because that's what we're here for. Changing lives right here, right now. For believers, first, we should be on day 21 of 90 of reading Ephesians 4, chapter, verses 22 through 24, okay? So if you haven't been doing that, jump back on this week. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. We want you to read it every single day. It'll take literally one minute maybe if you're a slow reader, read it. And then I want you to declare over your lives that you are that new human that Jesus is making you. All right. The days you wake up and say, I'm not who Jesus wants me to be. No, but he's making you day by day to get there. Declare it over your life. We need to be continuing to declare that over our marriages too. So I want to encourage everybody, whether you're married or single, to reread Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. That's the whole thing. That's wives to husbands, everything we just covered. Read it together if you're married. All right? Declare this over your life. Say, I, this is what I need to look like. This is what my relationship needs to look like. Pray it over your marriage. If you're single and, and maybe you're dating or maybe you're looking, pray that God will send you a husband that loves you like Jesus. I, I, I mean, I've got a daughter and I'm not looking forward to teenage years or beyond that, but I pray well, the all that I have in me, dear Jesus, please send her a man who will love her like Jesus. If he won't, send him away. If you're a man and you're looking, love who you're looking for like Jesus. That's the standard. If you're single and not looking, that's fine too. I want you to read Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, and I want you to pray for those in your life that are struggling in their relationships. I want you to, uh, to, to pray for those who in their marriage right now are not living this out. Maybe don't even know how. Pray that God works in them and that you get an opportunity to speak life into their death of situations that they're in. Let's do that as a church this week. I pray that doing that is going to reflect Paul, Paul's final charge in Ephesians 5.33 where he says, Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You pray that over your marriage. Jesus is going to do his part. You're going to come through better than you ever been. I promise that. So let's go to the bar today, gentlemen. Amen? All right, let's pray.